Well, if you missed the game last night, don't feel too bad, because Stanford missed the game too. Missed tackles, missed field goals, missed opportunities. All those things adding up to a disappointing defeat for Stanford on Saturday night down in Los Angeles. And we're here to sift through the rubble on the TreeCast with Troy Claire, Sunday, September the 8th, 2019. Thank you for being here with us, fresh off the plane from Los Angeles and back at it and ready to dive into another result for Stanford football, one that was not quite as fun as the opening week as USC hits the Jets, turns on the afterburners and leaves Stanford in the dust, 45-20, to 20, the final score. I'm in Detroit Clarity, here to break it all down for you. Thank you so much for being here with us. I certainly appreciate it. Uh, you're going to hear from David Shaw, the Stanford football head coach. You're going to hear from Davis Mill, the starting quarterback for Stanford last week. You're going to hear from Casey Tuhill, the Stanford uh, outside linebacker, and a little bit from uh, Malik Antoine as well. So those are some of the other voices you are going to hear on this show. Don't forget, you can follow me on Twitter, at Troy Clarity. At Troy Clarity, last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y. And I always, I always welcome your thoughts, your input, your, your opinions on Stanford football or anything else Pac-12 football related. I'll, I'll, I'll throw those in there too. Hashtag TreeCast. That by far is the best way that you can guarantee that I see those. Hashtag TreeCast is the way to go. Boy, it started off really cool, didn't it? <laughs> it started off great. Stanford up 17-3. to And you're like, yeah, all right. This is it. And they look good doing it, too. All right. Let, let's see where we can go from here. And USC outscoring Stanford 42-3 to down the stretch. 42-3. to After spotting the Cardinal a 17-3 lead. Keaton Slovis, the USC true freshman quarterback, making his first start, looking like, Dan Marino out there. Everything he threw was caught, almost literally. Stanford defensively could not keep up. Offense struggled when it was needed most. And all of those things go into a disappointing loss that dropped Stanford to 1-1 one one on the season. Big takeaways from the game, big news from the game. Let's go over them right now. Three things you need to know about Stanford football right now. And let's start with... <laughs> Boy, already I'm getting tired of having injury news is my number one thing that you need to know. But here we go again. Stanford, during the course of the game against USC in the late portion of the third quarter, another offensive tackle lost to injury. Foster Sorrell took a bit of a knock with Stanford with the ball in USC territory, finished the drive, played a couple more plays, but then spent the remainder of the game on the sidelines trying to work through some things and to stay agile and to work through some things with a trainer. But Foster Sorrell, injured, did not play the whole game. Barrett Miller came in and played right guard, and then Henry Haddis had to shift over to right tackle. Obviously, Stanford not in the best situation depth-wise at tackle or on the offensive line anyway, exacerbated especially by the injury to Walker Little, Stanford's left tackle, that is expected, expected to cost uh, Walker at least the next few weeks. So as of right now, and who knows, we, we might get official word on, on what Foster Sorrell's uh, status is going forward, but as of right now, Stanford down both of their tackles and their two best offensive linemen in Little and Sorrell. 
That's not good. A couple other knocks suffered by a couple of inside linebackers as well, Ricky Miazon and uh, Jacob Mangum Farrar, as both of those guys got dinged up along the way. So the one thing that we said needed to go in Stanford's favor more than anything else this year was health. So far, that hasn't exactly been the case. Although there's potentially some good health news on the horizon, which brings us to number... K.J. Costello, the Stanford starting quarterback, until last week when he was knocked out of the Northwestern game with what is officially an undisclosed injury, but a head injury of some sort. We can, we can pretty much presume that. Did not start, did not play last week, did make the trip to Los Angeles, but was, was out there in street clothes. But K.J. Costello did not play with his head injury last week. After the game on Saturday... David Shaw asked for K.J. Costello's potential availability for this upcoming week when the Cardinal head to the UCF Golden Knights in Orlando. I would imagine he's going to play this week. I think early this week, um, things go well. He should be completely clear and ready to go. Um, if you ask him today, I think he feels great. Um, so we're looking forward to hopefully getting him back next week. Okay, so that seems to be good news. Things seem to be trending upwards. And I was, I was slightly surprised that Costello was held out of this game based on based on what I saw from him in practice. And look, again, I'm not a neurologist, okay? You know, those guys know a heck of a lot more than I do. The coaches know a heck of a lot more than I do. And I'm pretty sure that they all made the right decision given the information that they had. I'm sure that if David Shaw really wanted to start K.J. Costello and he had the neurologist go ahead, he would have. But I was a little surprised that Costello did not play against USC on Saturday. That being said... Things appear to be trending upwards and looking good for KJ's return in Orlando this week. And finally, our third thing you need to know is something that you might not necessarily want to hear. After a terrific, stellar start to their season against Northwestern, boy, the Stanford defense really took some major steps back against USC. Boy, it was it was not pretty. Not pretty at all. As mentioned, USC outscoring Stanford down the stretch 42-3. No bueno. No bueno at all. USC's eight final possessions, six of them went for touchdowns. The others went three and out at the end of the game. Six of eight touchdown drives to finish out for USC. It just really fell apart for Stanford defensively down the stretch. After the game, I asked Cardinal safety Malik Antoine if he thought that there was one specific turning point in that game that cemented things in, in USC's favor. After um, when Amon St. Brown caught that uh, that big touchdown, I think that was a big momentum shift in the game. I think I think if we get that ball out, we knock that ball out. Um, the game's kind of going our way. I think when that guy, um, when the quarterback threw that, that ball and they caught that play. I think they, they just started feeling themselves a little bit, and, I, and it showed, you know, they, they came out and made some great plays after that. And for us, we, just had to, we tried our best to put momentum. We couldn't do it. Yeah, and, and give Slovis a, a, a ton of credit as that was a perfectly placed ball. The coverage was there, but he just put it right in the breadbasket for Amon Ross St. Brown, who made the catch, and that was the impetus that USC needed to, to get its offense finally in gear after kind of misfiring throughout much of the first quarter. And they did not look back from there. Eden Slovis, 28 of 33, 377 yards, three touchdowns. 
have the USC students chanting, we love Slovis, by the end of the game. Unbelievable. And that second quarter in particular was especially wicked. USC gained 220 yards in that second quarter. Slovis 11 of 11 for 156 yards in that second quarter. Perhaps the best second quarter that any quarterback has had since Doug Williams in the Super Bowl. Defense took some major steps back. I mean, look, tip of the cap to USC. They've got some weapons, and, and Slovis made a lot of the right decisions and some terrific throws, too. And Graham Harrell knows what he's doing uh, as an offensive coordinator, as an offensive coach. So tip of, tip of the cap to them. But, man, Stanford's defense really licking their wounds after that performance on Saturday. Those are three things. Boy, everything started off so well for Stanford offensively, really on both sides of the ball for, for the most part. And I, I really, I really loved how the Cardinal got out. And we talk often about how Stanford needs to start fast and how the results are generally mixed and have been mixed over the last couple of years in that department. Well, not necessarily so much on Saturday. Cardinal with a couple of touchdown drives to start the game. Things of beauty. After a, a long kickoff return, Stanford set up shop at the USC 35, drove from there seven plays. That drive finished off by a 15-yard touchdown catch and run by Connor Weddington on a screen. And then Stanford getting the ball again on their next drive and going eight plays and 80 yards, 14 points for Stanford early on. And you're thinking, all right, cool. This is it. Here we go. I'm loving it. And I, I loved a lot of things about Stanford and how it executed and how they operated in the first quarter. Smart play calling, aggressive play calling that helped out that helped out Davis Mills, completed his first four passes, but but many of those throws were were letting his receivers do a lot of the hard work. That screen that worked for a touchdown in particular to Weddington. Screens, not just the ones that went to Weddington for a touchdown, but, but other screens as well to help get Mills into a rhythm. Nifty reverse to Weddington as well. Very well set up. That one picked up 17 yards late in the first quarter as Stanford was rolling on the drive that would eventually end in their second touchdown of the day. Diverse distribution of the ball. I really like that as well. And by the end of that second touchdown drive, the right side of Stanford's offensive line, Henry Haddis at right guard and Foster Sorrell at right tackle, and the tight ends that were lining up on that side, they were just wiping out USC's defensive front. Holy smoke, it was it was beautiful to watch. It was kind of like the old days. The old days, of course, being 2011. Stanford up 14-3. Then they force a fumble and recover it on the ensuing kickoff. Cardinal in full control at that point. But right at that point, that's where things started to slow down. A couple of incomplete passes, including one on third down in which Mills went down the sideline to, to a covered Colby Parkinson, who had, who had done some good things at that point, but Parkinson couldn't come down with the pass. Meanwhile, Semi Fajoko was open, had a couple steps on the coverage down the seam. And Michael Wilson was also open on that play as well. But that incompletion led to a field goal, 17-3 Stanford. And even at that point, 
you start thinking, man, six would have been real nice there. Six points would have been outstanding at that point. And from there, unfortunately, Stanford offensively seemed less diversified after that, as Mills continued to, to look more Parkinson's way than anyone else's in the, in the second quarter. And the Cardinal had some trouble spreading out the distribution of the ball. And I think that cost Stanford offensively down the stretch. And, and, and obviously, it, it really stymied their production. They were getting touchdowns early on. Then those touchdowns turned to field goals. Then after that, nothing. Stanford's final seven offensive drives, punt, half, missed field goal, missed field goal, interception, downs, and downs. Stanford's shutout in the second half. That had not happened since 2014. You, you, you'd be forgiven for forgetting that game between Stanford and Utah that year. Ooh, that was one of the ugliest football games I've, I've ever seen. Utah won that one 20-17 in overtime, but Stanford did not score in the second half of that one. And almost five years later, they do not score in the second half of this one. And for Shaw, it really all boiled down to just these simple things. Bottom line for us, though, is we got in the red zone five times, came away with two touchdowns. You cannot beat a good football team uh, with scoring two touchdowns when you get in there five times, especially when they get in five times also and score four touchdowns. So for us, uh, we got to be more opportunistic, uh, take advantage of our, our, our mismatches when we have them. Um, we got to hit the open guys. Um, we got to make plays. Um, our guys kept fighting. That's what they do. But uh, it wasn't as clean as, as it needed to be to beat a good football team like we played tonight. Yeah, fa failures in the red zone. Uh, even when Stanford was up 17-10 to 10 and had a red zone opportunity, had first and goal at the 8, but a holding penalty on Devery Hamilton, perhaps a hidden play that no one's really discussed in the immediate aftermath of things, but Devery Hamilton called for holding, made a first and goal from the 18, incomplete pass, then a handoff to Cameron Scarlett that went nowhere. I was kind of surprised that they tried to run it on second and goal from the 18. And then a short pass that led to Stanford's field goal to make it 20-10. to 10. And as it turned out, Stanford's final points of the night. If Stanford had scored a touchdown there, probably a different ballgame. Probably an entire different ballgame from there. A lot to learn from in this game. And a lot that Davis Mills is going to take forward with him from this experience, whether he starts against UCF or not. After the game, we all caught up with Davis Mills in the uh, Stanford locker room at the L.A. Coliseum. And you'll hear his media scrum here. First thing that Davis Mills was asked was how it felt to be out there after after getting his first start, after being in this program for a couple of years, but injuries holding him back, Mills finally getting a chance to start. How did it feel? Uh, it felt great to get back out there. I mean, uh, it has been a long time. Struggled with a couple injuries my first first year out here, but, I mean, getting back on the field always feels great. Unfortunate result. Are you surprised that it was such a high-scoring game? And, and I know you focus on your team, but... How impressed were you by the freshman on their side, what he was able to do? I mean, they played great. I thought we did pretty well at everything. Definitely some things we can uh, improve on. 
going into the next couple of weeks. It's a long season, so we got lots to work on. You were up 17 to three. Did you? How, how did the game kind of swing after that? I mean, I thought we could have done better just finishing in the red zone. I mean, I think the stat was they we both got into the red zone five times. They scored four touchdowns. We only scored two. So that'll be better. Offensive line a bit in the crosser is coming into this one, especially Walter Rouse. How do you think he and the rest of the line did for the most part? What's your initial read on everything? I think the offensive, offensive line did great. They were really good at communicating pre-snap and getting to their calls. Um, I felt protected well, uh, and they did a great job. Did you see anything from USC on the back end um, that you were surprised by, or did they pretty much play, play what you thought you were I mean, see? we prepared very well going into this week. We weren't really surprised by anything. We thought that we were going to come in, they were going to throw some stuff at us, but I mean, we picked it up pretty well and uh, played a good game overall. It could have been better, though. You're only two games in, but you had a, a close win and now a loss. Do you have a sense yet on, on where this team is? I think we're a great team overall. We definitely have a couple things to clean up, but I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. How involved was KJ on the sidelines tonight? He was involved. He was in my ear pretty much in between every possession, just seeing what he saw, and I could bounce some stuff off him just because he has all the experience. So, I mean, he was great in my ear, um, helping me out throughout the game. That's Davis Mills, and, yeah, there are about four or five throws that when he looks at the tape and looks at the film, he's going to go, man. I had that. Didn't make the right read in some critical instances. Didn't make the right throws in other critical instances. Missing wide open receivers. Overthrowing others. And throws that, that quite honestly, Keaton Slovis made for USC. So Mills with some experience. And oh, by the way, Mills, unfortunately, becoming the first Stanford quarterback to lose his debut as a starter since T.C. Ostrander. You got to go back to 2004. You had to go back to 2004 to find the last Stanford quarterback to lose his starting debut. Since then, Stanford had been 7-0. Pritchard won his first start in that game in 2007 against USC. Then Andrew Luck. Then Josh Nunes then Kevin Hogan, then Ryan Burns, then Keller Chris, then K.J. Costello. All those young men won their Stanford starting debuts. Davis Mills could not make it a great eight. Struggles for the offense, major struggles for the defense. Look, USC is more talented than Northwestern, certainly on the outside. But still, big-time problems for Stanford defensively. We discussed last week on the TreeCast how tackling, tackling, tackling was going to be a, such a critical portion to dictating Stanford's success defensively, and it was. Tackling on point at the start, and then it all just fell apart. Safety struggled. Malik Antoine, Kendall Williamson, secondary really stretched thin. Tough day, tough night at the office for the Stanford defense as a whole. A, a unit that, that had to be feeling very confident about its abilities after what they did against Northwestern, almost shutting them out and holding them scoreless through the first, what, 52 minutes of play of that game? Not so much here. We went through the ugliness of the numbers earlier in the show, and Casey Tuhill was very frustrated. He had a chance at a couple of sacks. He did get one. 
Did get one sack on Slovis, but, but had a chance to a couple of more. But Slovis able to slip out of his fingers and more often than not make big plays with his arm. Casey Tuhill, after the game, to the media, bummed out. You know, honestly, we just didn't come out there and execute. Um, and that hurts to say. I mean, um, you never, ever want to look back and just realize it was just completely on your own execution, that it was really in your control, but it was. I mean, we just we didn't have a good game, didn't execute, didn't do our 111, and um, that was really frustrating. Do you feel like you did enough to frustrate Slovis in his first start? Not at all. Not at all. I mean, that comes on me as much as it does anybody. I mean, I, we weren't nearly, um, especially pass rushing-wise, we didn't, we didn't win enough. We didn't create enough pressure, and that just falls on us, falls on the players. And then just bouncing back, obviously, mm-hmm. we're really early in the season. Just kind of what's the attitude of the team in terms of moving forward? I mean, that's, that's all you can do, right? I mean, we've got a lot of games left. It's only the second game of the year. A lot of football to be played, and after this, you know, we got to look look hard at the film, look at our performance, improve from there. But yeah, next next week's a new opportunity, a new week, and that's what that's what we look forward to. Safe to say, you didn't see too much shocking in terms of just what USC did and, and what they ran. Not at all. I mean, I we I thought we prepared well, but then we just didn't execute. That's really what it came down to. Was there any sort of difficulty with how limited there was in terms of film on Slovis as far as preparing for what he was going to do? Or like I don't. I don't. I mean, we had enough film on the offense. He played great. I mean, props to him. But um, I don't think that was our issue. I mean, because I, I really do feel like we prepared well, but we just did not come out and do what we were supposed to do. And that's that's all you can. At the end of the day, that's what matters, right? Really, that's all that can be said for Casey Tuhill as he summed it up for the Stanford defense and I thought I thought did it I thought did it very well and and, and going into going into the second half one of my major thoughts was like okay all right Lance Anderson what you got what you got because we and we've established this here on previous episodes of the Treecast and previous seasons Lance Anderson is one of the kings of second-half adjustments among defensive coordinators in college football today. So terrific at that. And Stanford did play better the first couple series of the third quarter as they started to play a bit tighter. But overall, Stanford just could not hold up. The tackling just collapsed, and guys were running free through the secondary, even after contact. And it was just a boat race. Just a real boat race that USC ended up winning going away. Really tough day against USC. And oh, by the way, it doesn't get much easier. Now Stanford has to get on a plane. They'll fly out on Thursday, spend a day in Central Florida to get acclimated, then play the game on Saturday afternoon at 3.30 Eastern time start, 12.30 Eastern time, or 12.30 Pacific time, rather, uh, on Saturday. Not going to be an easy task against a UCF squad that has certainly accomplished a few things over the last couple of years and got off to a fantastic start in 2019. By the way, I'm looking at the weather forecast for Orlando this uh, this Saturday. Uh, Thunderstorms, 91 degrees. Yeah, that sounds about right. (laughs) That sounds about right. All right, uh, new feature on the TreeCast for this season. We'll go stock up and stock down. 
whose stock rose as a result of the Cardinals' last game, and whose stock went down. Let's start with stock up. This, as you know, was my major concern coming into the game on Saturday. And as it turned out, it wasn't really that much of a subplot during the game at all. With Walker Little out, a lot of eyes were on Walter Rouse, the true freshman from Silver Spring, Maryland, making his first ever start at left tackle before he's even gone to a class at Stanford University. Stanford on the quarter system, they don't begin for another couple of weeks. So I was very concerned to see what Walter Rouse would do against USC on Saturday. And as it turned out, I mean, look, he didn't dominate, right? He, he, didn't, he didn't look like Jonathan Ogden out there. But he didn't necessarily seem to struggle either. He didn't necessarily seem to be a reason why USC was, was having a field day defensively. That never really was quite the case, by the way. It was just more, more of Stanford's failures on execution than anything else. But Walter Rouse makes me feel a little bit better about how things could go at the left tackle position going forward, at least while Walker Little is on the mend. So stock up for Walter Rouse. However, what goes up must come down. Stock down. Rough day for Jet Toner. Oh. Poor kid. Toner started off two for two. A couple of field goals that that ideally wouldn't have been kicked in the first place. But Toner with 32-yarder and a 37-yarder, both in the second quarter. But in the third quarter, things really started to spin out of control. Toner missing from 39 and then missing from 47. I mean, tough enough that Stanford had to settle for three points, especially in those situations, instead of getting six points, with the game still very much in the balance in the third quarter. Tough enough that the Cardinal had to settle for three points in those situations, but to come away with nothing, Zippo, the big squad, oosh, especially after one of those drives took 14 plays and seven minutes and nine seconds off the clock and you get nothing, real tough pill to swallow. After the game, David Shaw said, look, you know, uh, as many struggles as Stanford had throughout the course of the night, you still got to make those kicks. Um, but we have an outstanding field goal kicker, uh, a lot of components to it, um, but we got to be better there. When that group goes on the field, we got to get points. So, I mean, you don't change anything else, but we, we make our field goals, um, and we score one more touchdown in the red zone. So we score three touchdowns instead of two out of five opportunities. Um, now we're talking about a whole different game. Because uh, now it's within one score, and now we get a chance. Um, so uh, the big thing is uh, we got to get points when they're there for us to get. And he's right. Look, Toner is an ex has been a very good kicker throughout his Cardinal career. Has been proven to be quite dependable through much of his Cardinal career. Made a 51-yarder against Northwestern. That had to count for something. But missing two critical field goals last night against uh, USC. I got to give it to somebody. So, unfortunately, and Sean notes that, you know, there are some other things that went into it. You, you remember the miss that Toner had against Northwestern where something just did not seem right with the timing at all, the snap and the hold and all that stuff. So, there are a lot of different components that go into it. But in the end, much of it is, is all on the kicker. So, while I hate to do this, we do this for a reason. Someone's got to be stocked down. And this time around, it's Jet Toner.
So that sets the stage, and hopefully Stanford can put this behind them quickly. They got no choice. Short week. Heading across country, down to Central Florida. Will not be easy. And we will preview that for you on the next TreeCast. A couple of quick reminders. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio Podcasts is distributing this show. Thanks to them for that. Anywhere you get your favorite podcast, chances are pretty good you can follow, subscribe, rate, and review the TreeCast with Troy Clarity. I would certainly appreciate that. And I'd also like it if you gave me a follow on Twitter, at Troy Clarity. And, of course, if you've got thoughts on the show, on Stanford football, anything on your mind related to those two things, hashtag TreeCast is the way to go. Hashtag TreeCast. You heard from Davis Mills. You heard from Casey Tuhill, a little bit from Malik Antoine. And, of course, you heard from Stanford head coach David Shaw. Thanks to them for being available after the game on Saturday night. Biggest thanks, of course, to you for joining us on this episode of the TreeCast. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. We'll talk to you next time. We'll likely see you on Thursday of this week. Looking forward to bringing it to you. We'll see you next time on the TreeCast with Troy Clare.